So those are the four knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital that everybody's working through. Doesn't matter where they are in the business. Everybody's looking to acquire more of that. I believe that you absolutely need to follow that order though. A lot of us try to do it out of order. I, all I need is a capital so I can go buy the thing. That's just not true. It is not true. It's not true. Right. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got the pleasure of having Brett Morgan with me today. We're going to do another one of our multifamily kickstart sessions. And so, Brett, tell the listeners a little bit about you and then just dive into your questions, brother. All right. A little bit about me is I'm from southwestern Pennsylvania, married to my wonderful wife, Katie. We have four children, three girls, one boy, and I am heavily invested into the oil and gas business. I've been a landman for 17 years, which meant I would go out and lease lands for people to get an oil and gas well on their property. Hopefully they always wanted to get one. It wasn't always guaranteed and was fired from my job seven years ago. Thank the Lord for that. Being fired forced my mind to think a little bit differently. And I started my own company. And through that, met a fella who wanted to start his own oil and gas company. And he didn't know or have any connections in the Pennsylvania area. He was from Alabama. So we would, uh, I asked him, how big do you want to be? And he's like, I'd like to be the biggest company east of the Mississippi. I said, that sounds great, but let's try a few deals to see if we can make this happen. Lo and behold, seven years later, he is one of the biggest companies east of the Mississippi, almost worth a billion dollars now. And I met the guy, he had roughly two employees. Now he has over 1,400 and that has set me up in a way that has been a blessing to me and my family. So all of my income now is passive and I guard it like it is a, I don't know, a treasure that I won't give up. So, but also realizing that there could be some kid out there smarter than everybody that's listening to this that is going to change the world over from oil and gas to something as simple as salt water. So you have to be getting out of just having one or two streams of income. You should have multiple streams of income. And that's what got me into the real estate idea. I fuddled around with it for a while, doing it probably the wrong way. I had invested in uh, a couple flips. I was just a hard money lender. And then I had invested in a couple delinquent mortgage notes, which all planned out as well. And then I actually was a bank for another property, which we still own where the note on it, but I don't get the tax benefits that some of the other people get when you actually invest. So it's like, oh man, I'm missing something pretty instrumental to this. And that's where I'm at today. So I started two years ago, a guy gave me a book and I don't know if anyone's ever read this book, but Becoming Your Own Banker by R. Nelson Nash. That book changed my life for how I think. So I started heavily investing in that. And now I invest passively, taking loans from those policies. And I started to get into syndication and I've attended multifamily investment network. And wow, that just hearing some of those things, listening to podcasts like crazy, it just changed my life. So now I'm thinking in a completely do, new way and it's all residential and multifamily and syndication. Wow. That's a really cool story. Congratulations on your success and getting Thank you. in on the kind of the ground floor of that thing and helping build it up. So how fun. can I help? 
Well, I have, I'd say last year, if I would have had you in my background, having listened to what you'd done, there was a multifamily five minutes from my house. It was a 58 unit apartment complex. I wouldn't have any clue other than saying, go in and pay cash for it. Like I would, how do you buy it? It was only 1.2 at the time. And today it's probably, if you want to turn on sale, it'd probably be 2.8, but I did not know where to start and boom, it was gone before you knew it. So well, you miss it. That's not the end of the story, but I don't know how to start in real estate. If you want to talk oil and gas, I could help you with that all day long, but multifamily real estate, how do I get there? And I don't want to start off with duplexes, I would say. So getting into syndications was another easy one, but that doesn't get me the coveted real estate professional title that will help me out in a ton of other ways. Yeah. So but if you don't have your own doors, it's not going to work. Yeah. And when you said it, I was like, he still didn't get to the tax benefits he was looking for. Ones <laughs> <laughs> will help, right? K-1s are helpful, but they're not the, the biggest one. Yeah. Especially not if they're producing, right? If you get a positive K-1, then what do you do other than pay taxes on it, right? Pay taxes. That's right. So- I mean, I guess just at the highest level, I, there are two fours that are pretty important. And the first four is going to be knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital. And those are the things every investor is working to overcome. You're at level one, which is knowledge. And, you know, just like you spent 17 years as a landman and you spent the seven years building up the business, you learned along the way. And I suspect there was some type of formal training that helped you make some of that journey, right? And if there wasn't, then you find that it's not super efficient because you're walking around in the dark, bumping into things. And so what I tell people is get the knowledge, right? And there's a bunch of different folks who are educators out there. We've got a 11 week course that we think is really valuable and gives people everything that they actually need in order to be successful at not only finding deals, but being able to operate them. And I mean, there's other folks out there who do the same thing, very different price points. It just really depends on what your strategy is. For us, you know, that 58 unit probably isn't a syndicated deal, potentially something that you could have taken down on your own. And so what we like to do is call joint venture, right? It's a small group of people who form a business and then they go buy properties or they find a property and then they form their business in order to own the property is called a single purpose entity or so single purpose entity. And so there's a knowledge piece, number of different ways to get that. It will cost some money to get the broad spectrum. What a lot of people do is they try to skip that process of actually investing in the education. They feel like podcasts and YouTube are going to give them what they need. The problem with podcasts and YouTube is it's disjointed. And I'm the, I know this firsthand because that's the process that I went through. Right. I was talk- listening to the guy from the Northeast. There was somebody in the mid Atlantic and the Midwest and out West and Cali. And I'm listening to all these podcasts, 40 hours of content each week. And by the end of it, I just had a bunch of stuff. Right. Imagine having all the puzzle pieces and no box. Right? Exactly. And it's like, where, how does all this stuff fit together and where does it actually go? Right. And so you get the knowledge and then you apply that knowledge against the different leads that show up and the leads can be anything from the deal that you talked about where it makes a ton of sense to buy it. $20,000 a door sounds super cheap to me. So a bunch of stuff to dig in there and figure out what was actually going on to something that maybe, I don't know, $220,000 a door. And maybe the rents don't justify the cost and people are just testing the market. But because you have the knowledge, you can 
apply against pl- apply those fundamentals against each deal or lead that comes across your plate, and then you can decide whether or not it's a deal and worth pursuing, right? And so for the folks who haven't had a ton of financial success and able to take down the property on their own, then there comes the experience partner. And, you know, I'll take a step back and I'll say, you know, there are some exceptions for folks who are already wealthy, right? Banks will lend to them because they have the net worth and liquidity to make it right if it doesn't work. But a lot of people aren't able to buy the properties on their own. So they need somebody with experience to go with them to the bank because the bank's looking for a proven operator in order for them to lend the money, right? Because they end up being the biggest partner in the deal, right? Every time you buy a note, you're the biggest investor in that deal. It doesn't matter who's actually doing the operating piece. And so the banks are looking for that experience And then the last piece and the one that everybody thinks is most important, but I think it's the least and why it's at the top of the pyramid is capital, right? Because it's going to be the smallest piece of that. And that capital is there for, you know, net worth, taking care of unforeseen expenses and so on. And the net worth piece of it is just being greater than the loan amount. So if you've got the net worth and liquidity or you can do it by committee on the people that own the deal, then you're in position to actually buy something. Now, it sounds like you've got one, which is the P, the net worth and the liquidity, but the other three things you're working through. And so you want to partner with an experienced operator. That's what smart money does, right? You you work so hard, you protect it, you want to keep it, but the money is made in multifamily, not just on the buy, right? Single family home, or even if you're being the bank, you being able to buy it at a discount allows you to capture your money, right? That's a, There's the equity in it. But with a multifamily, if you do a value add, which is what we like, there, you look through the profit and loss statement and you see an ability to either grow income or decrease expenses or hopefully do both, then you're able to increase the net operating income, which will allow you to sell the property for more because you know the multiple on the net operating income will be greater, just because you've got more net operating income to multiply against. So those are the four knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital that everybody's working through. Doesn't matter where they are in the business. Everybody's looking to acquire more of that. I believe that you absolutely need to follow that order though. A lot of us try to do it out of order. I, all I need is a capital so I can go buy the thing. That's just not true. It is not true. It's not true. Right. All I need is experience and everything will take care of itself. Well, it doesn't matter if you have experience if you don't have a deal and you won't know whether or not you have a deal if you don't have the knowledge. Right. And so regardless of what you have, if you don't have the knowledge, that's the foundational thing. And, you know, for somebody who works really hard for the money that they've earned, we really, really, really want to help them keep it and protect that capital from an investment standpoint. And then there's the other four, which is our four step process. Find, fund, fix and flip. Right. So you find deals, you figure out how to get them funded. That's where you create your business plan, put your teams together. And then X is operating or executing the business plan. That's where you actually create the new net operating income. And then flipping it is one of two things. We like to either refinance all of the money out of the deal that we put in or we sell it so we can harvest the equity and then roll that bigger. And so you know, find fun, fix it, flip. Super sounds, it's really simple, right? But it's not easy. 
I think I'm hoping it'll get easier in the next couple of years. But yeah, the, the I uh, my thing is every time I listen to somebody, it's like when you guys find properties, why do we ever get rid of them? They're so hard to find. There's a market. My markets go in cycles. So yes, it makes sense to, to sell them off sometime. But I like the idea of getting your equity out. So if you had partners and they don't want to be in it anymore, getting in them out and you hold on to it. I don't know, but these are all things that. Yeah, like had I bought that property, I don't know any of that stuff. Well, I know, hey, I can call the gas company and say, hey, we need gas to the units that already has it. But gosh, there's so much yes. more behind it of just the capital. The capital is a, it's a big component, but it's so minute in the whole thing. It's a commodity. Yes. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location freedom, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyersMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily investing. Let's get back to the episode. And so to the point, you were, what did you say? You, you don't know that there was something. That, why would you ever sell it? So here's the thing. Right. You're chasing cash flow because you're free. Right. For the people who don't have a ton of net worth that's throwing enough cash flow for them to get free, they need to go bigger in order to create more cash flow. And so you do some of the smaller properties. They're the hardest ones to manage, but you do them to get the track record. Right. Because maybe you're not doing huge deals in the beginning when you, you start on your career, you're doing smaller ones. And you're stepping up and you're stepping up and you continue to go to the next thing. It's what I call getting tuna in the boat, right? If I go out, I go fishing, I get some tuna, we come back to the dock, we lay all our stuff out and we show people that we actually caught fish and we say, hey, we're going out again. You want to come? Some people are going to want to go out with us. And eventually, maybe we'll have enough people going out with us that we need a bigger boat, right? And then we're catching even more tuna and then more tuna. Well, that's what I think you should do with your real estate. Right. I think you go out and you get a deal that you feel like you can handle. Something goes wrong. You know, maybe there's some operating expenses you didn't expect. It might be something where you can write a check for it yourself. Right. And then you go bigger. And now maybe you're to the point where you can't write that check. But what I really like is this idea that the deal lead, the asset manager, the operator, all of those terms are used interchangeably is somebody who can fix it if it breaks. And I can tell you that most people who want to go syndicate a deal, if something goes wrong, they can't actually fix it. And fix it can mean a lot of things. But I mean, Brett, you've been in business, right? Did everything go exactly as you guys planned while you were building the thing? Absolutely not. And why do I don't know why anybody thinks a multifamily property will be anything different. It is a business. There is a profit and loss statement. There are residents, which are your customers. You got your manager, which is typically your project manager. And then you have all the employees doing the things, the people who go to service the tickets. And I, I mean, I could keep going down the list, right? And so that's going to have issues. Yes, absolutely. I mean, from a gas well, it's the same idea. There's well operators, there's well tenders, there's the managers, there's the foremans, there's the, there's 17 different titles in that. There's the guy that goes out initially and leases the land. There's the the title work that actually you have to verify that that person owns their own gas rights. It's the same idea, but it's a different business model. 
You can't do it with one hand, and it's not efficient to do it by yourself. That part I'm already learning, and it's not efficient, and it's a, the wrong way. Just harness other people's knowledge so you don't have to be a master of everything, because you'll never be a master of everything. You'll never get in a deal if you want to master everything. No, and the thing is, though, I think if you do a course or some training that walks with you through the process in the end, you will have enough understanding to ask the right questions, right? You don't have to be the person to do it. You don't have to be the expert on it, but you do want to get the exposure of exposure to the content. That way, when something seems a little off, you have something to compare it against. Everything sounds good and okay if you don't know any better, right? Because <laughs> they're the experts, just trust them. But you know, if you've been in project management or you've been in leadership, you want to be able to throw the BS flag when there's some BS going on. Because every now and again, there's going to be some folks who want to BS you. Yes. That's, I mean, even someone years ago, one of my old mentors was like, Brett, read an accounting book once a year, even though you hate it. But if your accountant thinks that you at least ask 10 questions that are more intelligent than they would have thought of, they're not going to try to pull the wool over your eyes. Keep them on their toes that you at least know something that they didn't even think of. That's right. And I mean... We want to be seen as somebody who's actually a contributor to the success of the property. If we're relying on somebody else to do everything, then how do you justify your fee? I don't think you can, right? And this is the same thing I think with partners, right? I don't ever bring somebody in just because they have money, right? I need somebody who's going to be thoughtful. I need somebody to come in who can bring a skill set or expertise or knowledge that we don't already have in the collective. That way we have a, a great conversation. That way we're thinking about things holistically. Now that absolutely makes sense. If you're just sitting there, again, I, whatever we said 10 minutes ago, you can find money anywhere. That's not the hardest piece of the puzzle. It's just if someone doesn't bring in some type of expertise, some type of knowledge, it's I'll find money with someone that does. Exactly right. And I, then, Nick, if you're the guy with the money and you still have no expertise, you'll be taking advantage of too. Every single time. You won't have the money afterwards. So if there's a guy with money and a guy with experience or a gal, whoever, and, you know, the guy with experience will leave with the experience and the money, the guy with the money will leave with some experience, but they won't have their money anymore. That's no. the way it goes. That's how it exactly is how it goes. Yes. That's awesome. What else you got? Uh, just thinking about that. Like, all right. So there's a duplex down the street for sale right now. And I just, I'm almost at that point, like just to get the knowledge, buy it. If it goes wrong, who cares? It's just a, it's a duplex. It's going to generate $500 a month per door. If I'm lucky, whatever, call it that. I'm not going to pay cash for it. Cause that's stupid too. There's other people's money's interest rates are low. At least. So when you and I start talking in the future, like I'm getting knowledge, I'm gaining this knowledge so that when the next 58 unit or 60 or 120 unit comes out there, at least I can, Hey, Hey, I have 10 of these duplexes. Now I could sell these off together as a package and someone's going to look at it a little bit more serious at a bank. It's funny when you have money, the bank will look at you serious anyway. I think the bank sometimes looks at you like a fool. Like, why do you have money in the bank? If you're smart enough, you don't keep money in a bank. That's the worst place to keep money. So I like, try to almost get to net zeros all the time, but you have to have enough sitting around when opportunities come up that you can just capitalize it quickly. 1000%. I, I don't, the banks want your money locked up so they can lend it. That's, That's why a, they want it in the bank. Yeah, people don't understand that part. What, the velocity of money. Banks have mastered the idea of velocity of money. And they get to cheat a little bit. They get to actually have fractional reserve banking where you put in a dollar, they can make it 10 and lend it off 10 times. We don't have that luxury. But when they get those 10 extra dollars, they don't put them under the mattress. They lend, 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 lend as fast as they possibly can because that's the velocity and that's how they make their money. So we're trying to do it at a much smaller 
scale until we get bigger. Yeah. Now the the argument that you just offered on in the, just do a deal, right? And if if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I hear that on it does. other no, it doesn't matter. I'm not going in for losses, but it's a little one. If I chew that off and it does go wrong, at least it doesn't swallow me whole. If I take a deal that's all gone, maybe I re- I phrased it wrong. No, I'm never looking at something I'll invest and if it loses money 100%, I'm fine with that. No, that's terrible. That's a stupid way to think. I needed to make money. It might not make me, hey, it might not double my money, but if it chugs along at 6%, I can learn things from that. You can. My thing is do a commercial loan. You know you want to go bigger. Go ahead and check the box for having done a commercial loan. Don't do a duplex. Don't get residential financing, right? And then, you know, Get somebody to look over your shoulder while you're doing it, right? If you're going to go down that path and you feel confident that you you can figure it out, put somebody in the passenger seat. Do some driver's ad, right? This is my one of my favorite examples, right? You give a 15 or 16-year-old kid some keys to a Ferrari, it's probably going to end up in a ditch, right? You got to get them started out. You got to get them to learn the power. You need somebody in the seat with them so they've got the windshield time with somebody to help them overcome the theory part of it, right? And actually see the theory applied in the real world. And then you can turn them loose, right? And then there's some opportunities. You want them to drive in the rain. You want them to drive at dark. You want to give them all of those experiences in real life versus, you know, just this book where or this class or whatever else. And so, you know, if you're going to go down that path, it's, it's going to speed up the time that it takes you to get to the outcome, and it's also going to reduce the risk, the loss, the risk of loss, right? If you know there's opportunity for you to lose fifty thousand dollars on doing the deal, and you pay somebody something less than that, you're net positive because you would have bought the wrong thing, and it took you however many years to find out that this was a losing battle before you were set up for failure before you even got started. You stack on that, or go to the next level of. Oh, now we found something that's profitable and I can make real money here. Boom. That's when the magic happens. But, you know, a lot of folks are like, when they think about coaching, they're like, Oh, I, I can't imagine paying somebody that much money, but they have no idea that they're talking about five and six figure losses if they buy the wrong thing. Because I'll be honest with you. If somebody's willing to come in and pay me too much money for my property, I'll sell it, Brett. And I have absolutely no problem doing that. Right. And, you know, there's opportunity for you to lose $50,000 on doing the deal and you pay somebody something less than that, you're net positive because you would have bought the wrong thing. And it took you however many years to find out that this was a losing battle before you were set up for failure before you even got started. You stack on that or go to the next level of, oh, now we found something that's profitable and I can make real money here. Boom. That's when the magic happens. But, you know, a lot of folks are like, when they think about coaching, they're like, oh, I I can't imagine paying somebody that much money, but they have no idea that they're talking about five and six figure losses if they buy the wrong thing. Because I'll be honest with you, if somebody's willing to come in and pay me too much money for my property, I'll sell it, Brett. And I have absolutely no problem doing that. Right. And I guess the other thing I would say, you know, you talked a little bit about why people would sell. I like to sell when people want the property more than I do. I agree with right? that. We made a friend of mine and I uh, the same idea. Like, why would you not sell? All right. Oil and gas. We bid on an oil and gas deal a few years back. And I'm a smart oil and gas guy. My partner was a smart oil and gas guy. So you do typically a three to four year multiplier on it. 
and knowing that the production curve of these things comes down and not knowing exactly what price oil gas will be in four or five years. Okay. We made a bid, I think of 70,000, like that's what it's worth to us. You're making, I don't remember what the numbers were, but I think it was $5,000 a month. We'll bid seven. He got an offer for a 45 year multiplier on the deal and he turned it down, whoever the seller was. I was like, that is just stupid. If someone comes along at some point and says, Hey, I see this Brett guy, this company he has, he has overrides in Ohio and West Virginia. And somebody said, well, he's in Tennessee too, and New York and Pennsylvania. Someone knocks on my door and says, Hey, I'm willing to offer you 45 times what you're made. Uh, yes, I would sell. Yep, I'll take it. Cause I'll think of something like the only time you don't sell is if you don't have a plan for that money. Once you can think past it and you don't, you have plans. If somebody gave me $150 million say I have plans for that. If somebody says, I said, the only people that don't have plans are those who win the lottery and five years later or three, they're broke. But when you've started to think about it and you start thinking about how it actually works and you study that money's in a finance, uh, money, finance, economics are just fascinating topics to me. I've been studying that for 15 years. So, so if you know where it goes and how it works, man, you'll always have a, a plan for it. You will. And I mean, even if it, the plan is buy something bigger than what you already have, right? I mean, at the end of the day, whether it's 5, 10, 50, 100, 250, 300, or 1,000, they all still operate the same way, right? I mean, the business plan is a little more sophisticated because a rounding error could be what somebody's annual salary is, but and it's just a big but. The blocking and tackling of operating the business are the same. I think it's, I mean, just from the scale of it, the same thing. Again, I always have to go back to what I know. So I'll say oil and gas again. It's a heck of a lot easier to manage on the operator side, 75,000 wells, than it is to manage 14 wells. You can scale things. You get better costs when you manage that many wells. Like, hey, we'd like you to plug five wells. Okay, here's the cost. I, I'm going to have you plug 25 wells a year in five states, and I'm only going to pay you this. This is your option. You don't get another choice. I'm going to tell you what my price is. It's almost the Walmart philosophy of I have enough, you get better deals. It's the same. If you had a, a 200 door apartment complex and you had a management company come in, as opposed to I have 10 doors and they're each a mile apart, you're going to get a better price. It has to be that way in theory. The economy of scales is a real thing. And I think the amount of people and the way they treat you changes, right? Because you re you represent such a significant portion of their business, right? When, when you bring in that type of revenue into somebody's property management business, you, you get a different phone number to call when things go wrong. <laughs> Can you think you're important because you walk in and they know your kid's name. Oh, hi. Hi, you and you. It's like, here's a lollipop. I know your name. I want to open up a bank account. No, no, I don't want to for my kids. And the fact that you know them, you didn't know me seven years ago when I only kept a thousand dollars in here. Now you think I'm important. I'm not. Same person, but you've grown a lot in that process. Right. And so, and you know, a lot of people feel like, oh yeah, I'm just same guy, but you're not. I mean, you, you can't create something that big without some form of transformation and growth. And you know, I, I don't want to be treated differently because of what I have. I want to be treated differently because of who I am. Yeah. And, and how you actually share that knowledge with people. It's just the, that's what it's so refreshing about your industry is sometimes in the oil and gas industry, you had the super wealthy and they didn't want to tell you how they did it. Whereas everybody in real estate, it's just like it's the abundance, the abundance mindset is so much more there. Whereas if I lease the piece of property and somebody else didn't get that, like, oh, I can't develop that property. Now they can. It was just, 
a different idea. It's the abundance mindset that will set you free into just thinking there's enough for everybody and you can share every idea you have with everyone because it's a big country. It's a big world. And well, you can get out there and help anybody actually get to that next level and to elevate themselves. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of folks who believe in the abundance mentality, but I think there's even a smaller set of people who truly believe that somebody can execute, right? That's the game. They don't think people are open, will willingly and openly share what they're doing in real estate because one, they assume most people don't have the capital or the experience in order to go do the thing. I can tell you about my 120 unit deal here in Greensboro because I know that most people don't have experience getting money from HUD, right? You, I, I could give you the play-by-play -play on how I did it, and you're still going to have to bridge those gaps of the net worth and the experienced partner and finding a piece of land that actually works and putting a plan together. And most people just aren't willing to go ride, along for that ride. And so being willing to openly share is, is some of it's mirror, some of it's smoke and mirror, right? But you just got to know who you're dealing with and really understand their heart. And so going back to the course, going back to the coaching, make sure that if you choose to go down that path, you find somebody whose values and morals and just kind of views on the world align with yours, right? Because that allows you to see how they're creating their success and you can pivot off of that in order to continue to grow yours. That's an excellent statement. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, Brett, I mean, we're coming up on time. Is there anything else you want to slip in? Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested in your coaching philosophies, and I'd like to actually probably get into that next step with you and see where that can lead us over the next couple months or years or however that works out. But I like where this conversation went today. Uh, I've learned some things. You should always go into something and learn something, right? If I can learn something, teach something, and give a compliment a day, it'll be a pretty good day, right? Yeah, man, this was awesome. I appreciate you nesting and rearranging and hopping on the computer at your father-in-law's house. This was awesome, man. Glad you got the opportunity. And uh, to the listeners, the pack's with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you. Ooh.